0: Uh, I I thought I was a sinner and I thought I was chained down to uh, the, the addictions that held me down, but through this podcast, the renewing of my mind has set me in place and I, I've realized that I'm actually a son of God and I'm actually free from sin through the blood of Jesus. Hey guys, welcome to the Braveheart podcast where we help you discover why you may still be struggling with sin and we show you how you can walk in the freedom that jesus died for you to walk in right now we are in the middle of what we're calling the braveheart vault which is where we're taking some of our favorite episodes from the last couple years and we're bringing them back and having people share how these specific episodes have impacted them so you're about to hear the rest of this clip from seth along with the episode enjoy Hey guys, welcome to the Braveheart podcast. I'm Seth and I've been running with Braveheart. Uh, The podcast you're about to listen to has changed my life. Uh, Dealing with sin is what it's called. Um, And I used to be stuck in sin and depression. Uh, I used to be a slave to sin, actually, in addiction, but the Lord has set me free through this podcast. Uh, I I, I thought I was a sinner and I thought I was chained down to uh, the, the addictions that held me down, but through this podcast the renewing of my mind has set me in place and i have realized that i'm actually a son of god and i'm actually free from sin through the blood of jesus so i bless you to receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness through the spoken gospel in this podcast so i bless you in jesus name
1: we're truly righteous if we've truly been made right in our spirit what's the appropriate response to sin if we stumble and fall, right? And so this is really important because um, traditionally the response to sin has been with the lack of of the understanding of what Christ has done, what the cross has done, is, hey, you need to try harder. Um, You need to do X, Y, and Z spiritual discipline, Um, whatever. We've created this, this mixture of sort of a cocktail, if you will, of religious activities to help people overcome whatever they're going through. Um, Now listen, within that cocktail, there's a lot of good things that have been extracted from the Bible, okay? So I want to specifically talk today about two things. One, if we truly are born again, sons and daughters of God, and we've been made right in our spirit, but like we said last week, our members are still being Still being sorted out, that righteousness, that salvation is working its way out from my spirit to my soul to my members. If I stumble and fall, how do I deal with the with sin? What's God's posture towards me, and what should my heart posture be towards the Lord? Right. This is really, really important. And so, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna write some things out, just so that we're, there's no confusion. Um, I believe in confession. I believe it's biblical. I believe it's powerful. I want to talk about that for a second. So number one, confession. Confessions of your sins to God and to one another is a relational act that will fuel intimacy. Okay? This is really important. I've heard people say that, well, I'm righteous and I'm born again and I don't need to tell God because I know He'll forgive me. There, people will say this, they'll, they'll, they'll quote true scriptures about being righteous, but then they'll say, well, I know he's going to forgive me, so I don't need to tell him in prayer. I don't need to, if I screw up, if I sin, I don't need to confess it. I'm, I'm already forgiven. And I don't like that, and I don't think it's right. And I use this example because it's, it, it brings it home. If I sin against my wife, if I do something horrible against my wife, and I know that she's the most loving, forgiving person in all the world. And, I, and in my heart, I know that she's like, hey, no matter what, anything you do, I'll always forgive you. If I sin against her and I don't, and I don't bring it to her knowing she's going to forgive me. It's a done deal. She's going to forgive me. It's not even a question. I'm going to do it. She's going to forgive you. Okay, great. If I don't tell her what I'm doing is I'm usurping her right to give me, what only she can give me, which is forgiveness. Because forgiveness is relational. Why am I saying this? Because there's people who make a law out of what I'm teaching you. They make a law of grace. I'm just I'm warning you now, you may have seen it, you may have heard it. People may, people may accuse me of such things. They may hear what you're learning, they go, ah no, he's making a no, that's not right. Confessing your sin to God is a way of saying, Dad, I screwed up. I don't want this in my heart. I don't want this in my life. You know He's going to forgive you. But you want to hear your father say, Son, daughter, I forgive you. And I love you. And here's what you, here's what you really want. You want Him to father you in that moment and help you realize, how was it? Here's, here's what's real in my heart now. If I stumble and do something that I'm like, I know that wasn't right, it, I don't say this to brag. I'm like, where did that come from? Like, I'm not thinking, oh, I did it again. If sin pops up in my life now, present day, 2019, I, I'm a little baffled, to be honest. I'm not like, oh, I, yeah, wow, there I go again. Genuinely. And I don't say that in any way other than the fruit of the gospel in my life is is a lot of freedom. And so, if I stumble and fall, or if I, even now, you know what it is now, if I feel my heart straying away from the flame of God, it's not even acting out in sin now. Like it's in a soul realm now. Like if my, if I'm not like aware of His nearness, I'm like, wait a minute, what's up? I'm not waiting until I get all the way down here where I'm, you know, backslidden and, and just numb in my heart and now I'm, you know what I mean? I used to joke in, in previous classes, I don't, well, I guess I'm going to do it again. Um, one of the things back, way back when, you know, obviously I was stuck in you know, sexual sin and all this stuff, um, my sin was very obvious and the condition of my heart was very obvious because I was, you know, looking at pornography and my heart was numb, I didn't have love in my heart towards God or towards others. And, um, and then when I got delivered and, and really experienced the Holy Spirit, started walking the gospel out, probably, I don't know, there was a season of my life where I was free of that, but I could tell God showed me, like, I would come home, and if I was, like, stressed and, and in my heart and just whatever, and I wanted to act out in my flesh, I would pound a sleeve of double-stuffed Oreos and watch Sports Center. You laugh, right? Like I'd be like, oh man, you know, you'd eat dinner and then you'd be like, I'm gonna just double-stuff Oreos. My weakness. <laughs> just pound a sleeve of them. Now listen to me, I'm so serious. It's not a weakness anymore. Don't buy me double-stuffed Oreos, okay? Mm-hmm. Everyone's always, I share that and it, inevitably someone gives me a friggin' pack of double-stuffed Oreos, um, which you can, it's fine. But, <laughs> and what that would tell me was Hey, hey, your heart, your heart's needing something and you're getting it from this sleeve. And from just checking out with SportsCenter. Now, there's nothing wrong with Oreos, nothing wrong with Sports Center, But what God was showing me is I was leaning on it in such a way that I knew something wasn't right with my heart. Does that make sense? I was consuming it in such a way that it, it revealed something's not right in my heart. Let me ask you you may not be you you may not be stumbling in overt sin, but are you leaning on something where your soul is getting something and you know ah, it's just something's not quite quite right and the spirit inside of you will testify, hey, you're consuming this at volumes that maybe you shouldn't be And if you and if you track that pattern, it's the big, nasty sin is preceded by your heart straying from this truth of the love of God. It's true. You can follow it with your eating patterns, your consumption patterns. When I say consumption, I just mean what are you consuming with your time. There's Very rarely does someone go from worshiping in the presence of God straight to Some big thing, unless there's just a cycle and a worn path already there. Does that make sense? So there's usually a numbness and a deadness towards God that precedes these things. Why is that there? I would say one of the big reasons is we've not learned to do this confession in covenant. Now let me make a few notes about this. Confession does not get you born again other than the initial confession of Christ when you get born again. But confessing your sin to God doesn't mean that now you're, you're, you're covenants lost. See here, we've preached in the church, or it's been taught subtly, that your sin separates you from God. Have we not? Have you heard this? Yeah. No. What we're trying to say is it it may separate you, it may separate your perception of God, your, your perception of his nearness, it may separate your your heart from feeling his presence. Why? But he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. It's not like you sin and he's like, whoop. He doesn't pull himself back. See exhibit A in the garden. Adam and Eve sin and he comes right to the spot where Adam always is. He's like, where are you? Man separates himself from God. God does not separate himself from man. It's really important. God's there. So, so who is God to us? Who is Jesus to us if we sin? He's an advocate. This, is, this revelation will change your life this revelation, this one word, 1 John 2, one. If you sin, I'm writing these things to you, beloved, so that you may not sin. But if, everyone say if. If. Please don't let me hear anyone in this class say when, when I sin, when you sin. It's just not. True. There, there is no future expectation that a believer has to sin. Take it up with, with God and with the Apostle John and with the Bible. Don't come yelling at me. He said if, not when. And he said that he was writing those things so that they would not sin. Why would you write something so they would not sin if it was going to be a win? Guys, I'm writing these things to you <clears throat> because... I know you're going to continue to sin. And when you sin, here's what you need to know it's not what he said. It's Hebrews 9. Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ coming a second time. Uh, is not coming in reference to sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So you're saying that if we like people who do sin, they just don't understand the the capacity of the revelation
0: of, of the gospel in its fullness. That's literally all it is, right?
1: Yeah, well we talked a little bit about this, about this in the last, you know, however many weeks. The cross, I'm just gonna do high priest. And I'll do a cloud for His return. What I'm submitting is there is enough grace, which is power, which is the Holy Spirit. What we're saying is there is enough grace, power, and Holy Spirit combined within this triune revelation of Jesus, this triune work of Jesus, to deliver us completely from the fall of man. That's it. Okay. There's no... If, if, if someone does not acknowledge this, let me make it very plain to you. If someone does not acknowledge that within Christ, the cross, His life and role as high priest and His return as a bridegroom king, if there is not enough grace, power, and Holy Spirit and redemption and salvation, then they actually believe that the, that, that the devil... And human weakness is bigger than God. There's no, there's no ifs, ands. Again, I'm including the return of Christ here. Okay? So, there's enough. And, and something that has been a death to people, to, to the faith of the body of Christ, is this assumption that you're going to continue in sin all the days of your life. We have produced an atmosphere that, that if you believe that, you will sin by faith. What do I mean? If you believe that you're always going to sin, I promise you, you'll always sin. And all I'm trying to show you is that biblically, it contradicts that. That that's untrue. It's not biblical. It's not Christian. It's untrue. It's antichrist in nature. It is anti-Christ in nature because it says, I don't believe what Christ did. This is not, I, I don't want to play with this. I'm not demonizing anyone who says otherwise. I'm not. I'm not coming against anyone that says otherwise. I don't, I love people in my heart and I want people to be free. But it's anti-Christ in nature to say, I don't believe that what Christ did is enough to, do, to liberate me.
0: So where yeah. does that come from? That notion that like, you know, like human weakness and devil is if you know what I'm saying if we're reading the same thing how, how does that happen
1: it comes from it here's, exa- here's exactly where it comes from it comes from the Bible being interpreted through our experience instead of letting instead of letting God's word cut us and shape what's actually possible and what's actually true we've looked at what's we've looked at in our experience, we go, well, I've continued to struggle with sin. I've done everything I know to can. And so here I am, I'm telling you, it's not possible. And, and men and women have preached through their experience instead of preach the Word of God. And so we have to preach the Word. We have to let the Word cut us. We have to let the Word offend us. If, our, if your tradition contradicts the word, then check your tradition. It's just, I'm not trying to be a rebel rouser. I'm not trying to be anything like, like let's submit it to the word of God. Let's not create division. Let's not create, you know, anything. That, but, but I'm not afraid, like you should not be afraid for the word of God and for his truth to cut you and to challenge you and to offend things that you believe that don't line up with him. Because if you have a thought about God, listen to this. We don't have modern day idol worship. I, I, hopefully no one in here is worshiping idols like in your house or your apartment. you got little things and you pray to that. I, Lord willing, you're not doing that. If you are, come talk to me. I'd like to speak with you privately in your home. <laughs> but but here's, what I, here's what I feel in my spirit is that many of us, We have created, we have thoughts about God, thoughts about God that are not God. For instance, if I sin, God is angry. If you have thought this, this is an idol. because it's a God in your own image. You think God's angry because, because a pastor's angry or because your mom and dad was angry. Wow. And you've created God in your own image, in the image of man. I want to take a sledgehammer to the idols some of the grief you feel when I talk is because literally a sledgehammer is coming against some idol you have formed about God that has no truth in it. You can't back it up with scripture. At least not even your knees will wobble if you do. Because you know deep down and the Spirit never testifies that it's true. The scripture says if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, an advocate. This means God was super specific and intentional. And He said, hey, I want you to know something. I'm writing these things so you don't sin, but if you do, I want you to know how I position myself towards you. Like, like I want you to know what I'm like if you sin. Helper. I'm helper. I'm, I'm on your team. I'm legally on your team. If he's your advocate, he's your lawyer, he's your attorney. He's he's going to fight your case. Wow.
0: Yeah. It is. That's really good.
1: How amazing would that be if if you sinned if you sinned. Now listen, here's what's so cool about the advocate and here's where people get all freaked out and worried. They're like, "Well, if you just saying that you're not sin anymore and that you can't sin, da, 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 you're going to get proud and puffed up or yeah. and you're going to get are you kidding me? This advocate, if he's your advocate, then I'm then I'm doing this. Hey, hey Jesus, I really screwed up. In my heart, I hated that behavior. I didn't want to do that. What do I do? And he says, son, listen, let me help you. And he and he fathers you and he helps you and he actually takes you by the hand and he walks you out of that sin so that you don't do it again. It's the only way you can get out. Right. You can't get out another way. Otherwise you're saying he's angry, so now there's separation. There's two paths. This is the primary two paths you can choose. He's angry, so there's separation. Lord, what do I do to get close to you again? And this path is death. And it's unbelief. And the devil is just... He doesn't even bother you over there. Do you guys know that? Some of the stuff you claim the devil is not the devil you've just walked down a path because you've made an idol and he's like, they're good. As soon as that idol's formed, he's like, leave them alone. They're good. Just leave them alone. They're fine. So long as they're worshiping that idol that they've created that has nothing. If this is your God, he's like, just leave there. They're good. Let them. Trust me. They will be so riddled by guilt, shame, and condemnation, they'll never get out. So, confession in the covenant, if I were to sin against my wife and I confess it, it doesn't mean that we get married. I got married June 2nd, 2007. That's never up for grabs. No matter what I do, no matter what happens, we will be married till the Lord returns. Okay? So, your confession doesn't somehow magically renew your covenant. You see what I'm saying? Your covenant's never up for grabs, which means if you sin, there's still nearness and access. This is the biggest thing. If you sin, you have nearness and access to God. If you sin and you don't, then you're still living by the law. Your righteousness is still by the law because the only way you can get close to Him is by righteousness. True? Yeah. Right? It's the only way you can be near to Him. Is by righteousness. So if righteousness is not a gift, but it comes from what you do, and here's where so many of us struggle and get destroyed by the enemy. You think that if you sin, you're no longer righteous. And because you believe that, you distance yourself from God, just like Adam did, okay? And now you're just, you're cut off from the very thing that can help you. You guys okay? Yeah. This is really. I'm I'm wanting to give you practical tips and understanding, So, so the first thing we do if we sin is we confess it. If I sin against God, I confess it to Him. If I sin against a brother, I confess it to Him. If I sin against my wife, I confess it to her. Hear me. Confess your sins one to another. Confess them. Walk in the light. And here is your homework for this week is I want you to confess your sins to God and to one another. Because the devil has a heyday with you when, you're, when your life is in the dark, has a heyday. And the only reason you wouldn't confess it is because you're afraid of, of, of losing some relational connection or relational standing with someone or with God. Think about that right now. The only reason you would not confess your sin to a spouse, to a brother, to a sister, to God, is you're afraid you're going to lose some relational standing with them, some relational connection with them. Specifically, if it's something really big, really bad. Now, here's the caveat. When you confess your sins to one another, find someone who's light. I don't want you confessing to someone who's stuck in sin and they're just all beat up and they're in darkness themselves and they're like, yeah, wow. Wow, yeah. I feel you. (laughs)
0: That's
1: the only caveat. Find somebody. Find somebody who has the countenance of Jesus whose light is inside of them. They can look at you and they can say, I love you and I forgive you. Find somebody. Go find somebody. Maybe it's one of the deans. Maybe I don't know, but find somebody. But there's certain things in my spirit. I, there, there, are things that need to be brought into the light. I don't want. To, we don't play this game of well, God will forgive me. And no, 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 no. Bring it to the light. You say I need a word. This is your word. I'm telling you, bring it to the light. You're gonna. <laughs> he loves you. He's your advocate. He's your helper. Some of you are looking for grace to come to you in in this thing, without bringing it into the light. If we walk in the light as He's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and His blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So what's true in the Spirit is enacted by an act of faith, by us going, you know what? It's true that I'm not my sin. It's true that the cross took it away. So the act of faith is to open your mouth and go, this isn't who I am anymore. But I want to I confess it and go, man, <clears throat> if I wronged Boaz, or wronged Alphen, I'm going to come to him and say, bro, I'm so sorry I said and did that to you. I'm going to let him forgive me, right? And even if he doesn't forgive me, I'm gonna confess it. Do you understand that? Because I'm gonna I'm committed to walking in the light. I shared that with you guys last week. I said something on a Sunday night. And, and in my spirit, the father he just said, son, that wasn't that wasn't me. I shared that with you guys. And I repented to the people. Why? Because I said it in front of the people. I didn't wait, I didn't wait the next week. I did it right then. I got back up. I said, hey. You need to know I think I I think I spoke out of my flesh. Clean conscience. You can't pay enough for it. Yeah. You can't pay enough for it. It's the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord. Do not live with a guilty conscience. Now listen, I'm not trying to provoke a consciousness of sins. The Holy Spirit will show you what you need to confess. Don't, you don't need to go on this deep, this deep dive. When I said that right there, I guarantee you 90% of the room you knew what it was. And maybe you thought, maybe there's nothing. I don't know. But you know if there was something because the Holy Spirit just brought it to your heart. He's faithful to lead you. Any questions on that? I want to give you a so that that's sort of the the first line of defense is two things. Confession to God and to one another. To so say if I'm dealing with sins, Peter, what do I do? You confess your sin to God and to someone else. Now listen, you gotta find someone who, who really knows and understands and knows Jesus when you confess to them, because there's some weird stuff that people will tell you who don't understand. They, they're just weird and I don't want you to end up in more bondage and a wheel of whatever. But you want someone to look at you and go, I forgive you and I'm not going to treat you according to that thing because I know who you are. I'm not going to regard you according to the flesh because 2 Corinthians 5, I'm no longer actually allowed to treat you according to the flesh. If I believe that one died for all, therefore all died, then I don't have permission in the gospel to treat you according to what you do in the flesh. Y'all didn't get that. <clears throat> I, it's not that I'm like, oh, I'm super spiritual. I just can't. How can I in good faith with a clear conscience look at you, what you do in the flesh and go, oh yeah, that's who you are. If I say that, what I'm saying is, I don't believe this was enough for you. So good. But I've covenanted with him to treat people no longer according to the flesh because I've concluded this. One died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Yeah. You guys with me? Yes, that's really good. We get in big trouble when someone tells me, hey, I got angry in this. I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. how, why'd you get angry? Tell me, tell me about that. And I'm going to give you a biblical prescription. So that's the first line of defense. I'm going to give you the second line. Any questions on the first line of defense? The, so it's confession and Jesus' advocate. So when we think anger, we think we think God's angry with us and therefore He distances Himself from us emotionally. Right? He's angry and, in, and unless we prove that we're truly sorry, He's going to remain angry. Okay? Romans 11, the kindness and severity of God on this day that He comes back is a day of judgment. Biblically, the cross in His return are two days of judgment. This was a day of judgment. Was it not? The wrath of God, you find it interesting that the wrath of God poured out on Jesus looked a lot like the wrath of man poured out against God. You ever thought about that? The wrath of God on mankind looked a lot like the wrath of man against God. God's on a tree, God's on a tree and man is wrathful, spitting, angry, the wrath that was revealed, the wrath of God against man on the cross. If you look at it, it looks a lot like the wrath of man against God. Is Jesus God? Yes. Y'all think about that one. I don't think you got that. That's fine. You, it'll, it'll, it'll see. It's a deep... So this was a day of judgment. And this is a day of judgment. So the purity that you're looking for, the, the the severity that you're looking for will be inflicted on this day. That's why Paul says, Don't pronounce judgment until the day, until the day he comes. So we are living now in days of grace. God is reconciling all men to him freely in light of what he's done, knowing that there is a day of wrath coming. But today is not that day. Meaning, if we sin, he's not wrathful, he's not angry. I discipline my son, and and, and and God tells me, he says, son, I'll spank him, but it's not from a place of anger. It's not. And he's had to father me out of the thought that a father disciplines out of anger. Father disciplines out of love. Because a father looks and goes, you're so much more than that. So you will get a consequence, you will get a spanking. but. But there's joy in my heart because, and I'm gonna bring you close when I do.
0: How does that look like when you, sp- you spank in Love, like how does?
1: Absolutely, like? <laughs> absolutely.
0: So you smile. Uh, how does that work? Because like, no, I no. Be because he was like, like,
1: angry. You know? And gr- granted, I'm growing in this because I'm learning from my father. But I'll, I'll, I'll let them know. I'll give them some warnings okay. that hey, there's a consequence coming if you continue in this behavior. Okay. okay. Spank them, and then I grab them. I grab them and I hold them and I love on them and I speak into who they are. You're an amazing son. I love you so much. I hate spanking you. but I love you so much. You're such a good son. And I say, son, because I haven't had to spank my daughter. She's just she got <laughs> She got born again and she's amazing so what is the discipline of God? Like, do Yeah. I would say the discipline of God happens a number of ways. Again, it's limitless. I'm not going to pretend to know all the the ways. Um, I'll tell you this. It's not, he doesn't discipline you through sin. He does not use sin as a tool to discipline his children. I believe God disciplines through circumstances. A boss that's unfair. A close friend that's not acting right. Circumstantially, I believe, He puts us in situations that cause our flesh to manifest. He, yeah, Hebrews 12, He disciplines those He loves so that we can share in His holiness. So every environment of discipline actually is to produce the holiness of God in you. Which means, which is what I've seen for me personally, He disciplines me and He puts me in environments when there's someone or ones or some circumstance that makes my flesh manifest. And if I go through that discipline in my heart's well, I come up out of the other side and my flesh has been crucified to greater degree, meaning I'm walking it out. That part of my member, you know, like my spirit's a slave to righteousness, but my members are still, you know, they're still trying to do the thing, right? And so he puts me in circumstances where my flesh, it's harder. He's, he's putting confines around me where I'm like, I can either believe this is true or I can act out in my flesh. For instance, my wife and I—we got in a, a, an argument one time, and and um, I was like, "I'm right, I know I'm right." She was acting just—I just felt so whatever. And again, we've all—I've done this to her, so like this is marriage, right? But this is for me. And I was like, and I remember it was—it was in the evening. It was about 7 p.m., and I was so mad. I was mad, and I. She had wronged me. She had rightfully wronged me, meaning I was right. She was wrong. So I'm in my bed. Y'all are laughing. I'm in my bed, and I, and I said, God, I'm mad. I'm angry. And I said, what she did was wrong. And he goes, he says, you're right. And I, I built my whole case. I built my whole case. I said, she said this. And she did this. And it really hurt me. Like, I want you to know this. It hurt me deep because it's my wife. People close to you can somehow hurt you. It hurts. And I was like, ow. And, and And he goes, you're right. He goes, you're right. And I was like, thank you. God just, he just backed me right into the corner. He goes, you're right. I go, thank you. <laughs> and he's like, so, and I'm like, so then I'm ready to like, we've now, pro- we've now built, i built my case with God. We, he's on my, he did the verdict. You're right. I got the judgment. I'm right. And I'm like, okay, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to, like, well, she needs to change and repent. Because <laughs> now we're right. So now she's got to change and repent, right? And, um. Ah, the father's such a ninja. <laughs> he said this to me. He said, son, he just real subtle, real low key. Didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't smack me, backhand me. He just, because you know, I've, got, I've worn out that path to the cross, right? In my spirit. So he can father me from that place. And so it was like, I, it was like backed up. I saw him just backing me up. Okay, I'm right, I'm right. And boom, I hit something. And he goes, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be like me? And I knew what he meant. He said, you're right. She wronged you. Do you now, do you want to be right? Do you, want to, do you want to press charges? Do you want to wait for her? Do you want to distance yourself emotionally and relationally from her until she gets right? Do you want to punish her relationally until she repents? Or do you want to be like me? Oh, you look up. You're like, you're there. you back. Boom. Hit the cross. Right? Because I can't go beyond this now. I've made covenant. I don't, I don't have the right now to press charges. I don't have the right, if I'm going to say I'm in covenant with Jesus Christ, I don't have the right to press charges against you, even if you rightfully wrong me. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Do you want to be right or do you want to be like me? And I said, okay, well then what do I do? I'm at the cross. He's like, what she did, I know you got hurt, but I was hurt more than you were hurt. I took that. She had not repented. She had not said sorry. She had not shown any whatever. And he goes, will you let what she did stay up here on this cross? And will you treat her? Will you leave this room and in your heart treat her as if she never did it? Will you position your heart that way towards her? She had not said a word. She had done the thing that was wrong, hadn't said a word. It matters not. And so I I was like... My flesh was just like,
0: <laughs>
1: painful, This kink, kink, you know, you're just like, and I'll tell you, I walked out there with that posture in my heart and I told her, I said, hey, I'm, I'm sorry and I love you, and I forgive you, and I, I don't want to talk about it again, you don't need to make this right, I love you, forgive you, let's move on. And she's done the same to me many times. She's done the same to me many times. But what we've done is we've said, you need to say you're sorry before I forgive you. That's not Christian. Stop it. I don't play with that. It's not Christian. Well, they need to prove they're repentant. Are you kidding me? Who was, who was repentant when he was being crucified? Name one person that was like, oh, I'm... Whoa. Nobody. Not one person He was dying for was repentant. Not one. Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. It's His kindness that leads people to repentance. It's not repentance that will access your kindness. This is why it's so important. If we sin, He manifests kindness to us. He doesn't manifest anger going, Hey, I'm angry I'm angry, and if you don't prove that you're repentant, I'm not going to extend grace to you. Wrong. Does does God's heart break if we sin and stumble because sin hurts us? Yes. He grieves that. But He's not angry with you. He's not. He's not. He hates sin, but He dealt with sin. And when he's dealing with you in the midst of sin, he's trying to help you understand that's not who you are anymore. And he's committed to fathering you out of that place. If I were to to tell my wife in that instance, hey, you need to pay me in the currency of repentance before I forgive you. Then I'm doing the same thing that the wicked guy did in Matthew 18 that she's referencing. Your debt was canceled on the cross 2,000 years ago before you ever said you were sorry. Paid in full. You owed God, let's say you owed God $100 billion. And when someone sins against you, they owe you 10 bucks, And you go, I'm going to collect that 10 bucks because they owe me. Maybe they legitimately owe you 10 bucks Because they sinned against you and you go, I'm going to prosecute until I get that $10. And God's going... Wait a minute, I forgave you a billion, literally forgave you a billion. Before you ever said or did anything, before you ever born, I forgave you a billion. And you're going to press charges over that? The only way you can do that is if you forget and despise this. So practically what I did that night is I got on my bed, and this is how God fathers me. That was the example of how he fathers me. I gave you a real situation. I was, I f- my feelings were really hurt by my bride. My feelings were. And I wanted, in my flesh, I wanted to go, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay angry until she says she's sorry because what she did really hurt me. And I want, my flesh, it wanted her to go, I really screwed up. I'm so sorry, babe. She wasn't there. For whatever reason, whatever the funk she was in, she couldn't get there. So I'm on my bed, and I'm talking to the Father, and I'm, and I'm saying, Father, I'm really, my feelings are really hurt. So again, I'm confessing what I'm feeling. I'm confessing my, my frustration. I'm confessing my anger to God. God, I'm frustrated. She wronged me, and I'm out. And build the case. He goes, yeah, you're right. And his fathering to me, usually, he doesn't father long, and it's like one whisper, and it's just like assassin precision right to the core of the issue. Son, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be like me? That, that one phrase from my papa has been nourishing my heart ever since. People, I still get wronged. I still get rejected. I still get, and he just constant that same thing just comes, hey, you want to be right? You want to be like me?
0: I bless you to walk out this message. And to live your life so overcome by the love of the Lord towards you. That you love those around you offensively. So much so that they see Jesus in you and through you. Bless you.